lack of confidence is so, at least for me, so ego-based where it's like when you're in a conversation and you're not thinking about yourself because like, I don't know, things aren't really about you. Like I think good conversations and, and like human connection is not really about you or it's not about me. It's basically just about like whatever energy is shared yes, in between. Totally. And I think that confidence doesn't even matter at that point because mm-hmm. it's just like you're just being honest and another person's being honest and you're not so worried about being judged. Hello, friends, new and old, and welcome back to another episode of Airplane Mode. I'm your host, Clay Skipper. Today's guest is Lauv, a musician and producer whose music you've definitely heard, even if you don't think you have. He's the man behind a number of pop songs that have just blown through the roof. His debut album is out March 6th. It's called How I'm Feeling. And really, it's this album that made me want to talk to Lauv because after years of writing and producing music for other people, he now finally has an album that is his own. And that was a real confidence journey for him. He talks about how in middle and high school, he used to play music in front of rooms where nobody showed up and that really shattered his confidence. And he had to, over the years, build it back to a place where he felt like he believed in his music and he was good enough to do this. He still struggles with anxiety, talks about what he has to do to prepare to go out before shows. He gets into how he deals with self-doubt. And overall, he's just really open and vulnerable, both in his music. If you follow him on Twitter, he's very open there. And he's an advocate for mental health. He started an initiative called My Boo Thoughts, where at his concerts, he actually has a physical box where he encourages his concert goers and fans to write down something that's been on their mind or something that's weighing on them and put it in the box. And he collects all those and puts them on myboothoughts.world. So if you're out there and feeling like you're weighed down by self-doubt or you're just not feeling that confident... I think you'll find it very helpful to hear Lau speak thoughtfully about how he deals with those complications and issues in his own life. Because at the end of the day, he has to get out on stage and sing his music, which is often about his innermost feelings, to huge crowds of fans. I hope there's something in there for you. Here's my conversation with Lau. Today, I'm sitting across from Ari Leff. You guys might better know as Lau. We're having conversations this season about confidence, so we'll mm-hmm. get into that because I imagine it's it takes a certain juicy. takes yeah. a certain type of confidence to be a musician, I would imagine. Yes. But I want to rewind first just to get some of your background in music. So I read that you started with the piano and the viola. The, mm-hmm. in, so what's the story there? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly one of those things where I was a little kid and my parents just were like, like the same way. They're like, here, you, you're going to do soccer and you're going to do this, mm-hmm. you're going to do that. One of them was piano lessons. Okay. So I was like a super young kid and doing piano lessons and... At the time, it wasn't even something that I really liked. Like, I kind of, like, pushed through it, but I never wanted to practice. So I kind of just fell out of it. But then a few years later, I have two older sisters, and one played violin, one played cello. So I was like, oh, I'll pick up the viola, and we can do a cute little family thing. But it really wasn't until I picked up the guitar that I kind of actually started to really like music. Okay. Yeah. And when did that happen? I feel like I started playing guitar, like, I don't know, nine or something like that. And then I started writing songs when I was 13. From there, it was just kind of like snowballed. It's like, were you confident right off the bat? Did you feel comfortable? Like, was this, no, okay. I've always been like a really weird, goofy, strange kid. And, um, which I think was some type of a coping mechanism or defense mechanism because I moved around a lot. And I thought that was maybe the best way to like feel comfortable in a new environment. I was like, maybe if I'm funny and weird, like people will like notice me. I don't know. It was weird. But I guess I did have some level of confidence when I was a kid in the sense that I I like kind of was weird and didn't really care what people thought, even though I was like awkward and insecure. 
and I think kind of like the journey of me starting to write songs and release music and being bands when I was, you know, like in middle school and high school, that journey of like kind of doing it and none of it ever taking off and kind of just like playing so many shows to zero people or begging our friends to buy tickets mm -hmm, to the shows, mm -hmm. like all of that. After that, like really didn't work out by the time I was graduating high school and going to go to college, I really had no confidence in myself as an artist. So I think I started with a little bit and then kind of like really fell off. So then how did you find your way back to a place of confidence? Because now obviously you are extremely popular and you're performing That's, on stage yeah. solo. And so I'm just curious how that journey back towards like a place where you felt comfortable yeah. performing solo. I definitely still struggle a lot, but yeah, I will say I'm definitely way more confident, but I think it was a long journey for me. I've always sort of judged myself so harshly that I assume that other people are judging me on the same level all the time. Like even just sitting here and having a conversation, like it's like I sit and I, I sit across from somebody and I'm like, thinking about all the things they could be judging me for. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very loud voice in my head at the time when I was like 18 and going into college, especially like, you know, moving to New York City yeah. and, you know, going to NYU. I felt very insecure. And like, I was such a hopeless romantic kid. Like I always just <laughs> wanted a girlfriend and like girls that were never really into me. So I was always like, there was that level of lack of confidence and like all of this and that. And I think that sustained until I started to release music as loud when I was about halfway through college. And from there, it just kind of slowly built, you know, like I just continued. I started playing more shows and kind of getting more and more comfortable. To be honest, a lot of it was faking it or I have huh. to, I would have to do things like have a few drinks before I went on stage. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is definitely a lot of kind of getting out of my head that I had to do and find any way I could possibly do that. Because I find like lack of confidence is so, at least for me, so ego-based where it's like, when you're in a conversation and you're not thinking about yourself because like, I don't know, things aren't really about you. Like uh -huh. I think good conversations and, and like human connection is not really about you or it's not about me. It's basically just about like whatever energy is shared yes, in between. Totally. And I think that confidence doesn't even matter at that point because mm -hmm. it's just like, you're just being honest and other person's being honest and it's not, you're not so worried about being judged um, mm -hmm. because you're not so aware of yourself. So I just, I think from there I started to learn how to tap more into that kind of energy. You said you still get nervous sometimes. Uh, all the time yeah how do you manage that now do you have ways of managing it or ways of reframing it or thinking about it to make it a little more like manageable in yeah 100 percent. one thing that's actually super important for me especially before stage is meditation and i mm -hmm. hear a lot of people talking about meditation yeah, yeah. now it might sound kind of cliche but just sitting there and i do a few things one is really focusing on physical sensations huh. in my body from my feet on the floor to any sort of aches and pains or any random sensation, itchiness, your bones feeling tight, like literally anything in your body all the way up to your head. And doing that, being aware of sounds around you, basically anything to put you in the current moment because it's so easy to tune out of the current moment because it's no longer novel. Being alive is no longer a unique experience mm -hmm. to any of us because we've been doing it for however many years we've been on this planet. But if you really put yourself in like, wow, like even just somebody created this acoustic panel that's sitting here like that took work and like that took an invention and like there's like it's just like everything around us is actually so crazy that it exists and so if you can kind of take that if i can put myself in that mindset i feel a little bit more like mm -hmm. i don't know in this place of gratitude and being thankful for everything that exists around me and mm -hmm. i think that takes me into just a better mindset one thing that i admire so much about your music is how honest and vulnerable it mm -hmm. seems to be and mm -hmm. i think i've read you said you don't really sing songs that aren't true to your mm -hmm. own experience what was the process of getting comfortable with that like because i imagine sharing those things on stage at first is like frightening you know because you talk yeah. about thinking about the people judging you it's like well 
here's my life story. You know, that's that's really the interesting naked in a way. thing is for some reason the actual music doesn't really make me as nervous. For some reason, once I get into that flow state when I'm writing a song and it does feel really honest and it almost feels so honest that I couldn't have thought of it. Like mm-hmm. I think of like my best songs or my favorite songs that I make, they don't come from my mind. So it just comes from like feeling and from like some, I don't, don't want to say like some higher thing, mm-hmm. but it's just like another level of honesty that I can't really think about. It just kind of is. Huh. And I feel like once that happens in a song, for some reason, I'm not as nervous about putting the song out. I don't know why. Huh. It just like doesn't, I, I almost get more excited about it. I get more nervous about the music videos or associating my face with it or associating like when I made my music video for Sad Forever and I like, I, there's all this text at the bottom kind of explaining my journey, you know, at the time struggling with like OCD and depression and stuff like me having to like really in a non-musical way, having to tell that story uh-huh. was that was really scary for me. You mentioned depression and anxiety in there. And I, I know you shared before publicly that that's something you were struggling with back at the beginning of the year. I'm yeah. just wondering what were some of the things that cropped up then and, and why do you think they sort of popped up at that time? Yeah. Well, it was kind of like a long a long thing for me where throughout, I think, most of 2018, it was just creeping up more and more and more and more and more. And I didn't really understand what was going on, but I just found myself, like I have memories of just like waking up in the morning and immediately before I could even get out of bed and doing anything, like I felt like I had to have this control over my day. So I would just sit there like trying to like minutely plan every single moment. And it very much like trapped me and made it hard for me to do anything. And I think the thing I learned about anxiety over time is it's not really the subject of the anxiety that matters. It's it's like the way you're thinking about it. So it's like you think because you're anxious, you find something in your life that's that you think is wrong. And then you think that's why I'm anxious. But really you're just anxious and you're assigning it to something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at least for me. So I would assign it to any number of things and I was just freaking out, you know? And that became worse and worse and worse. And I got to the point where I was just like, I just don't feel like me and I can't figure out why. And I started questioning my identity. You know, it affected, I was in a relationship and it really honestly affected that a lot. And like, I feel like I really screwed up and, you know, hurt somebody, not in some like crazy way where it's like I cheated or something Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. But I just, you know, like I was struggling so much personally that I kind of like thrashed somebody along through that, you know, Mm -hmm. which eventually I was like, I can't do that anymore. I struggled with everything from that to like, honestly, like just my core identity, my sexuality, like who I was, what I wanted in my life. Did I, could I even continue to make music? I felt like I couldn't, I felt like I could no longer be creative. I could no longer really enjoy anything in my life. I felt disconnected from all of my friends in a way that's just like, no matter, even if you're having an intimate conversation, there's just something in between. And so nothing became enjoyable because I felt very alone and I felt very much trapped with just like everything that was in my head. How did you begin to pull yourself out of that place yeah. in January? A few things. One, I kind of started to see a, a few different therapists and try to find somebody that really felt like, not even just that I felt was assessing me correctly, but more importantly, somebody that I felt kind of on a soul level or a spiritual level that I just felt comfortable mm-hmm. with, you know? And then in addition, one thing that was really, really important for me, especially at the time, was I started taking medication because mm-hmm. that was like, when I went to a psychiatrist, they were like, the way that you think and the way that you compulsively itch yourself like itch these thoughts over and over and over and again and like play them out over and over again and and have to like test them with your friends and test them with your family they're like this is a form of ocd and they're like you 
you're in a hole and like we highly suggest that you get on some medication. And so I put my medication and for the first like month, honestly, it was awful. Like mm-hmm. I was like really night sweats. I couldn't sleep. My anxiety was worse. Wow. And I think a lot of people stop because I hear a lot of people, they're like, okay, like the first two weeks, like really bad. So they're like, I'm not going to do this. Like it's yeah. bad for me. But I kind of stuck through it. And suddenly like I started waking up and my obsessions didn't, they didn't scare me so much. Like mm. they just didn't, it just didn't have the same weight anymore. You know, I felt like I could just kind of be like, that's just a story I'm telling myself in my head and I can move on with my day. Wow. But when you're in them, you can't see that they are just stories you're telling yourself, you know, that they're not actually reality. And yeah, like day after day, that kind of got better and better and better. Did you come across meditation at like during this time or was that something you were doing before? How did you come to the meditation? That you meditation, I, it was always, for me, it was always on and off okay. for, for years in my life, but I could never stick to it. Like, cause okay, I was yeah, kind of dealing yeah. with this like level of anxiety. Really, I think the anxiety got really bad right after college and I moved to LA and on and off, I would try to meditate. I would maybe last a week, but never more than that. But when I was really starting to go through my freak out time of like December of last year into January, like I started to really commit to it more, but it was still, my anxiety was so bad that it barely helped. But this year, like kind of January to February and onwards, I started to really get into it mm-hmm. like in a serious mm-hmm. way. And I started to super, super, super help me. And I actually met somebody who changed my life, who honestly saved my life in a couple of instances where the type of the meditation changed. It became less about doing something like putting in Headspace or Insight Timer or whatever, these different apps and sitting there for 10 minutes strictly breathing, running through these same things. It was more loose. And I think that really helped me a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was more just like me and this guy, a friend of mine, we would sit there on my deck in my house and close our eyes, breathe at the same pace. And I found meditating with somebody was for me super helpful. Hmm. And he, in the beginning, he would kind of talk, he would be sort of like the, the, he would be the guide. He would kind of talk me through breathing, making sounds together, like literally making like you at the same pitch with each other for huh. minutes at a time. We would wow. just do that because it kind of gets you to the point where you can't, f- because you're focused on that. You don't, nothing else really matters. Mm-hmm. And I find it's the same thing when you're, that's why music is so therapeutic because in art in general, when you, when you get into that flow state where you're focused and you're in this one thing, nothing else can possibly mm-hmm. matter because mm-hmm. you just don't have the space for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that was really nice. And we do everything from that. And then we do a big component of it was like speaking gratitude. Cause I found for me, like I used to kind of like run through in my head, like being thankful from everything, you know, like just the sun coming in through my eyes and the sounds around me and the sensation of the wind, everything from that to like actual things in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, like blessings that I have. So combining that with sort of this like really meditative state and this mindfulness, helped me so much Mm because it just helped me rewire my brain, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and to not think so, not let yourself believe the stories and buy into it so quickly because you start spiraling. I think you get to the point where you become stronger and stronger and stronger and you see see that hole that you're about to fall down and you say, "Eh, okay, I'm going to walk the other way, you know, like I'm going to walk past it this time. And I think the meditation really helped me kind of do that. Huh. Yeah. I love that. I think about this is going to go somewhere that ties into what you're talking about, promise. But a lot of times I find, like, I've heard sitcom writers talk about, like, once they start walking around the world and seeing funny situations and they start noting them, they can't help but notice funny situations everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I find gratitude's a lot like that. Like, Mm -hmm. once you start being like, oh, I'm grateful for 
the warm weather today, yeah. or you even like, you know, a lot of people say write down three things. Yeah. Then you start noticing things everywhere yeah. that you were taking for granted before, yeah. right? And it's yeah. sort of like that gratitude feeds on itself in a really interesting way. 100%. Have you figured out ways to like sort of quiet your own punitive voices or the, the critical Boy. voice in your head? So I began, like, you know, the root of my self-doubt a lot of the times would be, let's say it's in a musical situation, it's that I'm a fake artist, I'm not talented, I'm just lucky. Or in a situation with somebody that I'm attracted to, I don't want to date. I'm ugly, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it, these different ways you can manifest self-doubt just depending on the situation. I started to think more positively about myself because I was a little bit happier. You know, for the longest time of my career, up until a big portion of this year, I nothing really felt like anything. Like I was seeing this success, seeing things like actually having multi-platinum certifications in, you know, different countries and selling out shows, you know, in a way that I could have never imagined when I was a kid. But it never felt like anything because I Mm -hmm. sort of didn't feel like I as the person deserved that. But I got to the point where as I became happier, I started to be able to be like, oh, like even if a lot of this is luck and a lot of this is a, a variety of things you can't control, on some level, you did some work and you did something brave and, mm. you know, you've put a lot of years, a lot of hours, like a lot of time into this. Like, you can take some credit without being egotistical. Like, I think there's a difference between being cocky and being, you know, grounded grounded and positive. Yeah. Or, sorry, grounded and, and confident. And um, so I think, yeah, as I became happier, I started to be able to own these things about myself that were huh. a little bit more positive, you know? Huh. I started to be able to believe people when they would reassure me that, I wasn't ugly or whatever it is, you know, like I stopped believing all the negative stories. How do you deal with the, the noise in terms of getting feedback on social media, criticism uh, of your music? I mean, how do you keep that from rattling your confidence or how do you, how do you uh, sort of filter that out? What's the process there? That is definitely something I still struggle with a lot. I think particularly like something like social media really does mess with my confidence quite a bit, which is, you know, why like, Honestly, for the past few days, I've been trying to kind of like, I'll post something and then I just leave my phone because um, I'm sort of almost on vacation for mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really need a rest from this because it, it's just like, I don't know. I think maybe telling myself that unfortunately you can't control that and all you can do is try to be the person that you feel the most proud of and that feels most authentic to you. And you can't really control whether other people like that or not, you know? So... I think kind of just reprioritizing what's important to me is what I try to do. Not let it be like my priorities are making other people like me be more like my priorities are going to be. How can I be happy in my daily life and how can I like me, you know? Before you get out of here, I do want to make sure I ask you about the My Boo Thoughts. Yeah. Because that's such a cool initiative. I wanted to find a way to kind of create this sense of community and and love and acceptance. So I was like, how can I make something where people feel like they get to express themselves anonymously, or I mean, if they didn't want it to be anonymous, they can write their name in a moment without feeling judged or without feeling like they're the only person doing that. So I created this box and it was called My Blue Thoughts, where it was like a little physical box at shows and people could just take those like paper and pens right by it and people could just write anything. And then I wanted to create this place where they could just have this cathartic experience and let something go. And then this other step of it was, I would share these notes like kind of on my Instagram story and so that people in my fan base that are in different cities and different countries around the world could have that feeling of like, oh, hey, like I'm going through something similar, you know, which I think is good for everybody to have mm-hmm. that kind of a feeling. 
having read some of those responses, what sticks out to you most? I think just overall how detailed and open people would be in a situation like that, you know, mm -hmm. because sometimes I find when you have so many, when you have the potential for so many people to see something that you say, you generalize, but people would be really specific about, you know, I've been struggling with this, with anorexia for this mm -hmm. number of years and I, and this is kind of how it manifests and people write like long stories and long paragraphs about what they're going through. And I think just the level of detail that people will go into really like, like kind of gives me chills, you know, because mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. very, very intense and very personal. And I think that's really special. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it also, the, the project also did lead to one of my songs. I had a song called Superhero that was based on one of the notes that I found. Oh, okay. And we found the guy, it was anonymous, but we found the guy who wrote that note. And he he's, has, he's credited as a songwriter and gets oh, like royalties incredible. and stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. But, yeah, so. The last question we always ask for on this podcast mm -hmm. is for a favorite fuck up. Favorite fuck up, what do you yeah. mean? Like. In my life? Yeah. Wow. Like a mistake that you made that turned out to be a great thing or like was a blessing or taught you something. You can take it anywhere you want. Oh my God. Okay, this isn't really a fuck up. I don't know why this comes to mind, but it just does. During one of my shows on this most recent tour, I kind of have this moment where I bring it down to one microphone and me and my acoustic guitar. So it's like very, like everybody has to be quiet. Mm -hmm. And it becomes sort of like, sometimes... I just kind of, this, I play a new song that's unreleased um, and explain that it's about long distance love. And sometimes it's like everybody gets quiet and I just play the song and like blah, blah, blah. I tell a little story about it. But sometimes there's this moment where there's so much interaction with the crowd. Somebody makes noise and somebody in the crowd's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and you're just like, everybody starts dying laughing. And uh -huh. then it becomes this comedic moment. And then it becomes really fun. <laughs> and there was one time, I'm trying to remember exactly how it went down. So I think somebody was just like, basically like, play I like me better. And I was like, no, fuck you. Like, I'm not playing that. <laughs> and everybody was kind of like, okay, whatever. And I was like, nah, just kidding. That's the song that bought me my house. And everyone just started dying laughing. Because <laughs> I was like, am I really going to say that? Like, yeah, it sounds yeah. kind of douchey. Like, I don't want to be like, like, I don't know. Like, I was like really like nervous that people would be like, okay, fuck you. You're a douche. Yeah, you know? yeah. But everybody like actually found it really, really funny. <laughs> and I think that was, I was like, okay, like I can be honest. Because I think sometimes like, honestly, like artists want to shy away from like, letting anybody know that they're in any way successful. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And then some artists show off everything. They're like, here's all my cars. Here's yeah. blah, blah, blah. Here's yeah, the way I yeah. ball. And like, I always kind of wanted to be more reserved about anything that happens in my life in that way. But it was, it was just nice to know that people actually found it funny. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank Sweet. you so much for uh, joining me. Thank you, man. Sharing thank you for, all that. For the good questions, man. Seriously. It's really good vibes. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Hell yeah. That is all we have for today. Thank you to Ari, to Lau for coming on. His album is out March 6th. A lot of that music is already on Spotify if you want to check it out. I highly suggest you do. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to our producer, Jessamyn Molly. We will be back with another conversation on confidence next Tuesday.